Now, this morning we want to encourage you to take your Bibles and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and several other passages today as we look at another uh, relational connection called caring for one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to pick it up at verse 14. Will you please stand in honor of the Word of God? Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now I want you to jump down to verse 25. So that there should be no division in the body, but that all its parts, and here's what I want you to focus on this morning, should have equal concern for each other. That means that we care for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let's repeat that verse together, shall we? Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Holy Spirit, we do love you, and thank you for the privilege once again to study your word, to grow in your grace more than anything else. We want to be sensitive to the leadership of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time of worship, and lifting our hearts in praise to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do this coming week through VBS. And I pray that you would bless our leaders in a special way. And now as we come to your word, open our eyes and help us to understand the truth you would have us to take home with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Ours is a generation and a culture that has lost its ability to care. You take a look around what's happening in our world today, there is neglect, there is hurt, uh, there is loneliness, there is isolation. There are incredible needs all around us. Take a look at what's happening to the American family today, the fracture in the home. Take a look at the child molestation, the violence, the way in which we treat each other. You take a look at what's happening with the homeless situation in our country, the child homelessness. You take a look at the uh, the fact that many kids in the United States go to bed without a meal. Uh, we, are, we are living in a culture where, where we have lost 
the ability to care for one another. Now, I want us to think about that word care for just a moment. And I want you to think of it in terms of an acrostic. Each letter has a significant word. Care, C. Concern, the R, A, concern and regard for each other. Care is concern and regard for each other. And if there was ever a time in which we needed to understand and put this particular relational connection into practice, it is in our generation where care seemingly is absent in the culture in which we live. We live in a culture where it's every man for himself. We're in a quest for survival. Many of us do not have the opportunity or the desire to just open our eyes and see the opportunities for care uh, that God gives to us every single day. I'm reminded of what Mother Teresa said. She cared for the poor and the orphans of India. And she made a statement that I have not forgotten. She said, quote, the greatest disease is not leprosy or cancer or tuberculosis. The greatest disease is feeling unwanted, uncared for, ignored, and discarded by many, unquote. And so I believe that if we are to fulfill our calling as the people of God, not only must we be accepting of each other, stop passing judgment on each other, not showing favoritism to each other, but we must also cultivate this incredible reality connection of caring for each other. Now, there are many misconceptions about what that means. Number one, caring is not warm feelings. Oftentimes, warm feelings will come as we get to know another person, but if we wait for warm feelings to come before we care, we have waited too long. In fact, it will probably not be cultivated. We need to be the initiators of care. Oftentimes, we wait for others to care for us, and we're a bit reticent in reaching out to others. Number two, caring is not an accidental happening. It's something that is intentional and volitional. It is something we plan to do. It is something that we are asking God to open up our eyes so that we can reach out to those that need a, a touch. Uh, uh, they, they, they just need a, some special interest from a caring Christ follower. Uh, sometimes caring is spontaneous, and that's wonderful. When you see someone in need and we respond spontaneously, praise Jesus. But more often than not, something uh, caring, true caring is something that we make plans for. We open our eyes and our mind to caring for others. Number three, caring is not dependent on liking another person. Uh, we care for another person not because he or she is likable, but because we know that isolation kills and that God has called every single one of us to this ministry of caring for each other. This goes totally contrary to the conversations that we hear from time to time. But likability is not a prerequisite for care. Don't wait until you like someone before you reach out to them. 
I believe we must not wait for others to make the first move toward us when it comes to the ministry of caring for one another. In fact, we must get out of our system the idea that I'll come halfway. God wants us to be so committed to him that we go all in in terms of caring for each other. And what's more, we will not put others down because they haven't taken the initiative and made the first move toward us. Caring is much more than winning friends and influencing people. It means that we must become open enough and vulnerable enough and Christ-like enough that we are willing to let someone else invade our space. That we are willing to listen to the hurts of others. Thomas Dubay, in his book, A Biblical Theology of Community, puts it this way, quote, To care is to jump into the other's skin. It has become the other in mind and heart and live the other's interests. To care is to become one's brother, one's sister, unquote. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you all believe that? Okay, we're all brothers. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so God has called all of us into community, and not just so that we can enjoy each other's fellowship, but that we can also be agents of care and love toward those that may be going through some times of difficulty. Now, Dr. Gary Collins, who I studied under at Trinity, wrote an interesting article in Christianity Today entitled, How to Have a Caring Church. And he gives us five principles. Number one, True caring is a call to action. It exhibits a deep concern for another person. It's not some kind of a warm feeling that gushes over us at a moment and then passes away. When we genuinely care for others, there is a, a deep concern that resonates in our hearts for those that have need. Number two, true caring is a desire to understand the other person. It's to climb into their shoes and walk in their sandals for a few days before offering counsel and flipping quick fix solutions to the incredible personal issues with which they may be grappling. It's un unbelievable how quick we are to spiritualize things as the people of God. Oh, just pray about it. It'll all go away. It's, it's amazing to me. Uh, we... we we have opportunities to invest in others and we, we just, you know, we have our little cliches and that's, we feel we've done our duty. We need to really understand. Caring begins with an understanding heart. We have to get close to others. We have to get near others. Number three, true caring is a commitment to show respect to another person, says Collins. We must stop forming quick judgments about others. One of the things that keeps us from caring is that we tend to size each other up pretty quick. It's amazing, isn't it? We take a look at someone that's maybe struggling and we got them all figured out. Holy Spirit prompts us to maybe reach out and care and then we argue with the Holy Spirit and argue ourselves out of doing what we know we ought to be doing. Somebody has put it this way, a Christian should be like a sheepdog. When the shepherd wants the sheepdog to do something, the sheepdog lies down at his feet and looks intently into the shepherd's eyes. 
and listens without budging until he is understanding the mind of his master. And then he jumps to his feet and runs to do it. But first of all, he understands what his master wants. And the third characteristic, which is no less important, at no moment does the sheepdog stop wagging its tail. He's happy. There's joy. You see, there is joy in caring for each other. And then number four, true caring is an openness to take some risks. You know, it's, uh, to be vulnerable isn't much fun. It's much easier to practice one upsmanship and to kind of put ourselves at a higher level than others. But when we care for others, we risk misunderstanding. And we take risks that not only will help us to develop more Christ-like attitudes, but will be an incredible benefit to those to whom we reach out to. And then number five, Collins says, true caring is a willingness to accept help. Now, I'm sure most all of us would rather be on the giving side of care than on the receiving side of care, accepting the loving care of others. But we have to learn how to do that as well. I remember especially this coming through to me in the aftermath of the losses that Sandy had experienced losing her, her mom with a brain aneurysm, her father with a heart attack, her two sisters killed by drunk drivers. And uh, Sandy and I were always on the giving end of care. And in those situations, we were just blown away by the care others expressed to us. And to be honest with you, with you it was kind of hard. Because we're always on the giving side. To be on the receiving end of care was a little bit more difficult. And yet we learned as we received the loving care of others who were concerned about us. And many times they didn't say a word. They were just with us. They ministered to us. And in that moment, they not only equipped us and provided care for us in our moment of need, but it was preparing us to share care with others. So caring is a is vital component as it relates to our walk with Jesus. Now, I want you to come with me to God's Word for just a few moments, and let's take a look at what God's Word has to say about this important matter. First of all, I want you to know that there is a universal cry for care. And David cries out to God. Psalm 142 and verse 4. David prays, look to my right and see no one is Concerned about me, I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. This is the universal cry of mankind. Nobody cares about me. And most of us, I'm sure, if we're honest this morning, we've had those feelings. We've been at a low point in our lives and things haven't worked out. And we begin to feel sorry for ourselves and we actually believe that God has forsaken us and abandoned us. And so this idea, this universal cry for care is something that all of us 
at one time or another experience. This was also the contention of Martha in the New Testament. Remember the time Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha, as recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, 38 to 42. You'll recall that Mary was taken up with Jesus, but Martha, (laughs) on the other hand, was very detached and busy in the kitchen preparing the meal. And it's interesting, Mary had a desire to be with a master. Martha was more interested in getting a meal prepared. And in Luke chapter 10 and verse 40 we read, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. (laughs) I think we can all identify with Martha can't we come on Lord nudge Mary off her duff she needs to be out here with me I need some help Lord don't you understand don't you care about me in the kitchen all of us have had those feelings let's be honest we felt abandoned by our friends we felt abandoned by God and when this happens we need to talk to God about it We need to have a conversation with him. All too often, when we feel abandoned, we blame others. We find excuses for our negative feelings when in reality, when we have those kind of feelings, when we feel that God has forsaken us and doesn't care for us, that is when we need to have a conversation with him and lay it at his feet. You see, God already knows what's on our hearts. So we're not going to surprise him when we kind of rag on him a little bit. It's okay. It's okay to express your frustrations with God. I came across an interesting expression of this in the book, The Psalms of My Life. And the writer expresses his true feelings to God. Dear God, I'm all alone tonight, all alone, thousands of miles from home. There's no one here who knows my name except a clerk, and he spelled it wrong. And there's no one to eat dinner with, and no one to laugh at my jokes, and no one to listen to my gripes, and no one to be happy with me about what's happened today, and to say that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and the slush in the street outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself. And I have plenty of good reason to. Maybe I ought to say, I'm on top of it. Praise God, things are great. But they're not. Tonight is all gray slush. Unquote. Ever felt that way? Ever prayed that way? Been totally honest with God? We need to be open and honest with the one who cares so much for us. There's not a thing that crosses our lives, friends, that God doesn't know about. There's not a struggle that you face that he's not aware of. There's not a relationship that needs to be healed that he can't give you the strength to bring healing. He cares for us in ways that we've never imagined. Number two, the uncommon care of God. It's interesting as you study the Old and New Testament, you discover 
that God is always true to his character and one of his attributes is that he is a caring God in Zephaniah chapter 2 and verse 7 God encourages the remnant of the house of Judah the Lord your God will care for them again in Zechariah 10 and verse 3 for the Lord Almighty will care for the flock the house of Israel our God is a caring God as somebody has put it God always behaves like himself aren't you glad about that God always comes through the way he is because he is God he is eternal he is from everlasting to everlasting and we have tremendous hope because of our Lord Jesus now <clears throat> I want you to notice some things here first of all God cares for his creation we live in probably one of the most beautiful spots in America. Yeah, I've been all across the United States. We lived in California. We've lived in the Midwest. We've lived in Florida. We've lived in so many different places. But this is rather unique. This is a beautiful part of our world. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God describes the land he promised long ago to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he explained to Abraham that the promised land would be a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And where the people would feel right at home. And as the people are being prepared to enter this new land, this land that had been promised to the patriarchs many, many years ago, the Lord has these words of encouragement for them in Deuteronomy 11 and verse 12. He speaks about this land that they had never been before. He says... It is a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from beginning of the year to the end. God has care for his creation. He created the world and everything in it. Remember as a youngster, we used to hear that song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And he watches over you. I mean, if the Lord's eyes on that little tiny bird, <laughs> don't, don't you think his eyes are on you as well? He cares for you. He not only cares for his creation, he cares for his new creation. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter encourages the people, cast all your anxieties on him because what? He cares for you. We can roll all of our burdens on the Lord. What is about to crush us is no match for our Savior. He is fully capable of handling every burden that we bear. And because we have been made new through the power of a living Christ, do you realize that we as God's people are the special objects of His care? He cares for us as he does no other. In fact, the Bible says we are the apple of his eye. We are precious in the sight of God. And so instead of letting anxiety to get the best of us, we need to roll our anxieties on him because he cares for us as Christ followers. Number five, God's care is greater than Satan's conspiracy. See, Satan is a con artist. 
But our God is a caregiver. First Peter 5.8, he says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's very interesting to me as we went through the coronavirus pandemic how that little mask that we put on our face divided the body of Christ. There were the mask wearers and there were the non-mask wearers. The mask wearers somehow didn't have faith in God and the, non-man, the non-mask wearers were the ones that were trusting God. The mask wearers were putting their trust in the state and the non-mask wearers were putting their trust in God. How foolish. How foolish. The things that were said on social media during the coronavirus in the body of Christ, it was amazing. You see, we're all part of the body. Every part is important. We don't need to divide up into groups and, and, and little cliques and, and feel like we know better than others. We're all part of his family. We need to prefer each other above ourselves. We need to look for ways to help each other succeed and become all that God wants them to be. God cares for his flock. He cares for his creation. He cares about us. Now I want you to look now at this passage and we're just going to touch on it briefly here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because here we have the unqualified concern of God's people for each other. God has called us to this ministry of care. 1 Corinthians 12 is a chapter that focuses on the body of Christ and how important it is that we understand the relationships that we have because Christ has entered our lives and changed us from the inside out. I want you to look especially at verse 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Notice, he says, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts... That is, you and me, all of us are part of the body. We're not the whole body. But that its parts should have, notice, what does it say? Equal concern for each other. Now, that phrase, equal concern, speaks of empathy. It speaks of a deep concern, almost to the point of being anxious about what's happening in the life of someone else. Indeed, it is a concern that is equal and unchanging, and there's, there's no favoritism. Every person matters. Every person is experiencing equal care and concern. Now, notice how this flows. Equal concern for each other begins with mutuality. In verse 25, Paul tells us, what true mutuality is and is not. First of all, he makes it clear that when there is true mutuality, there is no division or schism. We don't pull away from each other. The body, in order to function, you eliminate one part of the body and you're in trouble. I mean, what happens when 
one part of your body hurts, it affects every other part. So he is saying here, make sure that when you go through times of difficulty that you don't pull away from each other, but that you pull together. Come together around a common purpose and a common goal. Look at what he communicates in verses 20 and 21. He says in verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, but what? One body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, we cannot say to anyone that's part of the body of Christ, I don't need you. Just take off. Do your own thing. It's not, not, that's not what he calls us to do. He calls us to express a mutual concern for each other. No part is more important than the other. And when parts of the body leave, it affects all of us, doesn't it? Well, it sure does. It causes hurt, causes concern. Because we are one in Christ Jesus. You see, this oneness that we talked about in John 17 is so important for us to hang on to. It's valuable. We can never say we don't need someone else. We need every part of the body. He goes on to say that mutuality leads to empathy. Verse 26, notice. He says that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, what happens when your little child gets hurt? They come running to mom and they got, maybe they cut their finger or they stubbed their toe or they scraped their knee. And you as a parent, you, oh my, you wish that you were experiencing what your little child was experiencing. I remember when I was finishing up school at Trinity one semester and I was so excited to be home and uh, Stephanie was about three years of age and I decided to take my little three-year-old daughter and put her on the handlebars of my bike and we were going to take a ride. And uh, we took a ride, all right, but she had open-heeled sandals on and her little foot got caught in the spoke and flipped us completely over. And her little foot got wedged in between the spokes and the fork of that bike. And man, I was trying like everything to break those spikes to get my little girl's foot out of there. And praise God, it got out and the ambulance came and took her to the hospital. And praise God, no bones were broken. But let me tell you, I rehearsed that over and over and over again in my mind. I would wake up at night screaming because of what happened to my little girl. I was so concerned for her. That, that's empathy. When we are so concerned about others that we can't get them out of our minds. God has placed them on our hearts and we're wanting to do everything we can to come around them. So thankful that God took care of my little girl. She's now a not only a mom, but a grandma, if you can believe that. Paul continues, he says, empathy in verse 26. Now notice what empathy leads to. It leads to rejoicing. Notice he talks about the fact that when we show this kind of empathy in verse 26, 
every part rejoices with it. You see, when we crawl into the skin of someone else and we, we seek to minister to them in their time of need, you, you know, it, it's wonderful to rejoice when good things are happening to us. But what is amazing to me, how hard it is for us as the body of Christ to rejoice when God is blessing others. You know, one of the things that, as I study the scriptures over and over again, the emphasis is never upon us. The emphasis is always upon the body on others. What we can do to help others be successful. What we can do to help others succeed. Do you realize the transformation that can happen in our lives individually when we put the interests of others above our own? It causes us to rejoice. Let me tell you. When I take a look at what's going on up here with Stellar, and I take a look at all the energy and the effort that Sarah and her team have put into this, I get so happy. I am thrilled to see how God is using these wonderful staff people to build the body. It causes me to rejoice. Are you rejoicing in, in what God is doing in the lives of others? Oh my, I mean, it'll transform your life. When I take a look at what's happening in our men's ministry and in our women's ministry, oh my goodness, and in our student ministry and our kids' ministry, oh my goodness, I am so torqued about what God's doing, causing me to rejoice. Huh? You see? See, when we're all part of the body. I mean, this morning, Bethany, as you guys were leading the singing, what a blessing. What a, I mean, I just sat down there, I was enjoying myself. Because I see how God's at work in you and your team. And, and you see, this is what makes church fun when we're celebrating the goodness of God and, and just enjoying how God is using others for his glory. And then next, equal concern involves a self-forgetfulness. Now, I want you to flip over for just a moment to the book of Philippians. There is an amazing verse uh, here in this little epistle, chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21. Uh, Paul is commending Timothy to go and encourage the Philippians. But notice his credentials. He says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. See, he's wanting to rejoice. Now, this Timothy, he says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Timothy was so unique that Paul says he never saw anyone quite like him because, notice, for verse 21, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of Christ. Let me tell you, when we forget about ourselves, 
and we stop focusing on ourselves and our foibles and we begin serving others and seeking to bring out the best in others, it just transforms all of life. That, I believe, is what Paul is speaking about here to the Philippians and what he infers here in 1 Corinthians. Furthermore, this equal concern for each other includes a Christ focus. Notice the last part of verse 21. Everyone's looking after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. He wants us to get our eyes on Jesus. And when we get our eyes on Jesus, what happens? The songwriter puts it this way. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let me tell you something. This, this business of, of empathy and, and crawling in someone else's skin and, and ministering to them in this way, this is what makes the body of Christ completely different from any other organization in the world. We are united as one because of Christ. And it's Christ in us that motivates us to care for one another in a way that is uniquely Christian. And then lastly, and I'm going to wrap it up, equal concern for each other requires personal involvement. Now, y'all remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verses 33 and 35. We're not going to take the time to look at it. You know it very well. But you'll remember various ones passed that injured traveler by, except the Samaritan. And there are three things that stand out as we take a look at this story. First of all, if we're truly to care, it involves observation. We need to live the Christian life with our eyes wide open. In that passage, chapter 10 of Luke and verse 33, the Bible says, when he saw him. Let me tell you, all you have to do is open your eyes and there will be all kind of need that crosses your life. When he saw, when he observed, we as God's people need to live life with our eyes open. Number two, true caring involves compassion. Verse 33, he had compassion. He saw this man that was wounded, had been beaten up by these robbers and he couldn't go another step he had to stop and he looked at what had happened to this man and the Bible says he was moved with compassion he didn't check with the guy and say hey do you have blue cross or blue shield no he was moved with compassion And what did he do? He bandaged up the fellow's wounds. He put him on his donkey. He took him to an inn. Put him up for the night. He actually stayed with him that whole day. Do you realize how this interrupted this man's schedule? He was on his way too. He had some appointments to make too. But he was moved with compassion. He stopped 
and he cared. You see, a compassionate heart is a heart that never gets used to the suffering of others. And then thirdly, true caring involves action. He, he did more than enough. He not only took him to an inn, stayed with him that whole day, and he took off and he told the innkeeper, he said, you know, I'm going to come back this way and if uh, you have any additional expenses, don't charge the man, I'll pick it up. You see, see here, here is someone who, who, who is so intent on caring for others. He forgets about himself, his schedule, the things that are important to him because he sees, he has compassion, and he acts. God's care for us is the reason we're to care for others. God loves us so much. And when we care for one another, we receive much more than we will ever give. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father in heaven, we do love you and thank you so much for the privilege of being your children. Lord, I know I've missed many opportunities. In fact, if we're honest, many of us have missed opportunities simply because we're too busy or we're too preoccupied with ourselves to take a moment and reach out to someone that you've laid on our hearts. And so, Lord, there may be individuals even now that come to our minds that we need to reach out to, that need that special touch that only a Christ follower can give. And I pray that you would help us here at East Bay to not only be an accepting church, but that we will be a caring church. That we would look after the needs of others. That we would put the interests of others above our own. And that we would watch you do incredibly more for us than we could ever ask or think. We love you so much. Help us this week to be sensitive to the situations and the circumstances in which we find ourselves so that we can bring light to a dark world. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and that sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore we pray. Amen. Good morning and Maranatha. Have a great day in Jesus. God bless you.